You all are aware of what weekend it is. It is Memorial Day weekend. It's the time that we set aside each year to honor those that have laid down their life for us, for our country, so that we have those freedoms. And we all know that freedom isn't really free, is it? And most of the time, it's bought with the blood of the patriots that are fighting for us. Today I'm going to be speaking and referencing the the book of Daniel, the fifth chapter of Daniel. going to use a lot of text through the whole through the whole book and some of it will also be from the previous chapter in in chapter 4 I think we can all agree and Spence kind of hit on this this morning in our class this morning that one of the biggest if not the biggest battles that we have as Americans today is the battle for the very soul of our nation we see around us all Every day, the erosion of our society has been a slow process. But we've seen it accelerated rapidly in just the past few years. And it matters not whether a Democrat or a Republican holds the office. The nation that we all love so much and that we hold to continues to erode. You touched on this specifically, and I found that interesting. That the position that we're in today is directly affected by what we tolerated yesterday. And the position that we are going to find ourselves in tomorrow, and in the generation as he spoke of this morning earlier, is what we allow and tolerate today. History has a way of repeating itself down through the centuries. And Daniel chapter 5 describes what you might say is the beginning of the downfall of an entire culture, the Babylonian culture. They became so comfortable and secure within the confines of their quote-unquote strong walls, but yet they crumbled from within. And this morning I'd like to point out four major mistakes that I believe Babylon made first one, and I don't know if Mark is going to have these up or not yet, but he was working on it. The first point I'd like to make and that I'm going to talk about is that they lost all sense of remembrance. That's what this weekend is all about, is remembering those that gave their lives for our freedom and to our country. Number two is they lost all sense of reality. The third one is they lost all sense of restraint. And then the fourth is they lost all sense of respect. Today on this Memorial Day weekend, my prayer is that we would be challenged to be a people of repentance. And that would we acknowledge that everything we do is vanity without the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now the first point I'm going to talk about is that of remembrance. The dangers of losing our sense of remembrance. And in the fifth chapter we're we're talking about King Belshazzar 
His problem was the same that many people have today. He had forgotten some of the valuable lessons from the past. From his father, Nebuchadnezzar. Lessons like his predecessor had learned the hard way. Lessons like, which we find in the fourth chapter of Daniel, in verse 37, it says, Those who walk in pride, he is able to put down. In most cases, pride comes before destruction. Daniel gives us an important insight when he challenges the king with the accusation that, quote, you have lifted up yourself against the Lord of heaven. And that's exactly what Belshazzar was doing. He left off right where King Nebuchadnezzar left off saying in the 30th verse of Daniel 4, is, is not this great Babylon that I have built a royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty? Pride almost always leads to fall. It's right up there, I believe, at the top of the list of the things that God despises is our pride. And about a month and a half ago, I attended my cousin's wedding and at the reception, my father and I and a couple other people were sitting at a table off away from everything. And as my father always does, often does, he asked me how things are going at the church, how our family is. He's always interested in this church's ministry, in how we're doing. Uh, he knows that we're a year into our new minister, so he's, and he's been that guy. Um, he's coming to a church that was having a hard time and, and starting fresh. And um, So he, he asks a lot. He's inquisitive of me. And we were talking about it. I don't remember the exact um, conversation. But I would say about 30 minutes into this conversation, he said, son, I've heard enough. And we were talking about ministry. We were talking about servanthood. And he says, I've heard enough. I said, what do you mean, dad? He said, all I hear is you referencing your ministry. Your ministry. My ministry, Dad. My ministry. I didn't even realize I was doing it. And I think oftentimes we don't even realize that we're being prideful. It's just something we do sometimes. And there was my dad to make sure that I understood. And he, he said, Son, I've, I've, as a bishop in the Episcopal Church, he oversaw many, many churches. And he saw many people come to... Um, to the priesthood and he had to, to say the same thing he said to me to many of those priests. Son, it's not your ministry. It's God's ministry that you have the pleasure of being a part of. He's using you. So don't be prideful about your, your ministry so much. And that, that hit home with me a lot. Um, America used to honor God unashamedly and openly. And I use that word used to. It's etched in numerous monuments all over our nation's capital. It's carved in granite on many of the government's buildings. Pull out your wallet. Look at your money. It's there. There was a time when we credited Him with our blessings and successes and we turned to Him with our trials and our losses. But today we seem to have lost our sense of remembrance. President Woodrow Wilson said, a nation that does not remember what it was yesterday 
does not know what it is today or what it is trying to do. We are about a futile thing if we do not know where we came from or what we have been about. And in many ways we have forgotten our past. We've heard this slogan, Make America Great Again, for the last eight, ten years. What is it about America that made us so great and caused men and women from nations all around the world to risk their lives, their fortunes to come here? Is there something about America that distinguishes us from our neighbors, even as closest to the north and to the south? We've fallen a long way from where we once were. We've gotten so far off our founder's path that it's not uncommon to see the federal courts repeatedly doing things such as restricting manger scenes in city squares and removing Ten Commandment displays from government buildings. Unfortunately, there are some sobering similarities between ancient Babylon and modern-day America. And just like Babylon, there's an expensive price to pay when we lose our sense of remembrance of who we are and where we've come from. The second point I'd like to make which we're going to go to the first verse of chapter 5. The dangers of losing all sense of reality. The second point. And in order to understand how the king had lost all sense of reality around him, let's read what it says here. Many years later, King Belshazzar gave a great feast for 1,000 of his nobles. And he drank wine with them. Now the Medes and the Persians, as I said earlier, this is... The, the downfall, it's, it's a downward trend of the Babylonian Empire. And the Medes and the Persians had surrounded the walls. But inside, Belshazzar was throwing a party, as we saw here in the first, first verse. He invited thousands of people to this party. The Babylonians thought that because of their history of dominance and their strong walls, they were invincible and indestructible. No problem, they thought. After all, our walls are high, they're thick, we've got food laid up for 20 years. We dominate. No worries. So what did he do? He lost all sense of reality. He threw a big party and invited thousands of guests when destruction was knocking at his door. And when we begin to feel secure like that, in our own strength, danger is just going to be on the other side of the wall that you think is there to protect you. So we have to be careful. We can't lose a sense of reality that, we, that we're untouchable, guys. Because it's always looming on the other side. If we look at the second verse. While Belshazzar was drinking the wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver cups that his predecessor, Nebuchadnezzar, had taken away from the temple in Jerusalem. 
He wanted to drink from them with his nobles, his wives, and his concubines. So the third point, the dangers of losing all sense of restraint. There's a lot of practical application in this point right here in our world today. Because when a nation loses all sense of restraint and reality, excuse me, our our sense of remembrance and reality will lose the sense of restraint as well. The Babylonians were too blind to see any connection between moral decay and national decline. Sounds kind of familiar, huh? We're losing our sense of moral, of morals in this country, in the world. This particular verse describes what was politely called in the Old Testament as concubines. And these were the women that were kept for the king's pleasures and his gratification and additional procreation. And our nation like Babylon has virtually given over to sexual permissiveness and to perversions of all types. There's not enough time, nor do I want to take the time to talk about all the various types of sexual perversions that is bombarding our society through movies, television, media, you name it. You all know what I'm talking about. It's out there. It's in our face. And it's getting worse and worse. Those of you around my age cannot remember a time when there was nudity on television. Now it's there. All the time in our face. Let's go a step further. Men have stopped leading their families in spiritual and moral development. We hit on that this morning as well. They've neglected their wives and children in pursuit of material wealth and power. They've become so busy with their jobs that they ignore their wives and seek relationships outside the home. It's never enough. And yes, ladies, that can speak to you as well. There's a breakdown in the marriage when that happens. Then because there's no moral leadership in the home, children start developing identity problems all their own. Many are neglected and all too often undisciplined. We heard that word this morning in our Sunday school. Guys don't like that word, do you? Kids, children, discipline. That's a tough one. But it's so necessary. Parents, discipline your children. I think that's a direct, directly affects the moral decay that we're talking about. The leadership in the home. I don't think I need to go any further with application at this point, but we are losing our sense of restraint. We see it all around us. If we go to the Bible in verse 3 and 4 of chapter 5, it says, So they brought these gold cups taken from the temple, the house of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines, drank from them. And while they drank from them, they praised their idols made of gold, silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Which leads me to my fourth point. 
We're seeing right here the crumbling of the Babylonian Empire. Nothing was sacred to them anymore. They had abandoned all absolutes and there were no more restraints. And now there was no respect for anything sacred either. It was party time under King Belshazzar. If we go on to look at verse 5, there's going to be an incredible turn here, which is why this is entitled, The Writing on the Wall. Many of you are familiar, very familiar with this. And it says in verse 5, Suddenly, they saw the fingers of a human hand writing on the plaster wall of the king's palace near the lampstand. The king himself saw the hand as it wrote, and his face turned pale with fright. His knees knocked together in fear, and his legs gave way beneath him. The king sobered up real quick. And I'd like to think that if I'm in the midst of a party, and and I see fingers of a hand start writing on the walls opposite me, I'd probably kind of panic and sober up pretty quickly myself. In those days, they would call upon certain people to read things that they didn't understand. So as we go forward to verse 13. So Daniel was brought in before the king. Daniel was well known for his ability to interpret dreams. And the king asked him, Are you, Daniel, one of the exiles? brought from Judah by my predecessor, King Nebuchadnezzar. We see that Daniel is now entering the the banquet hall. He's at the party now. He was not at the party. Because just like today, if you're the man of God, you're not going to be invited to the party where the liquor's flowing and the girls are present. And it's a free-for-all. Nobody wants the man of God around at that party. Might be a buzzkill, huh? But when the hand is writing on the wall, they don't want their drinking buddies anymore. They don't want their immoral friends around. Who are they calling on? They're looking for someone to tell them what it meant because they had no idea what these words meant. And as Daniel looked around, all the partying had stopped, almost as if it was frozen in time. I can picture this. The silence fell on the banquet hall. And Daniel was the only calm one in the room. And then he did what every man of God should do. He pulled out God's word. And he preached to him. And he gave him three points. First, a word about power. Verse 18 and 19. Your majesty, the most high God, gave sovereignty, majesty, glory, and honor to your predecessor. He made him so great, people of all races and nations and languages trembled before him in fear. He killed those he wanted to kill and spared those he wanted to spare. He honored those he wanted to honor and disgraced those he wanted to disgrace. He reminded Belshazzar that the power came from God. 
Second was a word about pride. In verse 20, But when his heart and mind were puffed up with arrogance, he was brought down from his royal throne and stripped of his glory. Daniel reminded that King Nebuchadnezzar lost his kingdom because of his pride. And third, there was a word about punishment in verse 21. He was driven from human society. He was given the mind of a wild animal and he lived among the wild donkeys. He ate grass like a cow and he was drenched with the dew of heaven until he learned that the Most High God rules over the kingdoms of the world and appoints anyone he desires to rule over them. Next, Daniel applied the text. You have not humbled yourself, although you knew all this. Verse 22, he says, You are his successor, O Belshazzar, and you knew all this, yet you have not humbled yourself. He knew about the power. He knew about the pride and the punishment, but sadly... He said, you've lost all sense of the remembrance. You've lost all sense of reality, restraint, and respect. And when we forget these things, we become blind to the fact that like Babylon, our problems are not primarily financial, political, or social. The decline stems from the spiritual factors. Now back at the banquet hall, it's silent. And Daniel is now going to reveal to the king the writing on the wall. In verse 25, this is the message that was written. Mina, Mina, Tekel, Parson. And this is what these words mean. These words reveal the three elements involved in the sinner's destruction. Numbered, weighed, and separated. In other words, your days are numbered, judgment is coming, and you will be separate from God for eternity. And as you can imagine, the hall was filled with fright and terror, but there was one person who stood peacefully because he knew who was writing on the wall. Now the fifth chapter concludes with these words in verse 30 and 31. That very night, Belshazzar, the Babylonian king, was killed. And Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. And as we look into history, ultimately Sirius, Sirius the Persian, took over power in the, the end of the Babylonian Empire. That very night, while Babylon partied with no sense of restraint or remembrance, the armies of the Medes and the Persians diverted the water of the Euphrates into swampland, and they marched right into the city using the dry riverbed that, flew, uh, uh, that flowed under the, the, the wall. And some say that it was not much of a battle. And as I read a little bit also, some people like to think that it was a full siege, that there was a battle there. I don't know. I think if they were as drunk as... I think they were, and partying, they had no idea what hit them. I don't think it probably took very much. Now church, 
We don't know how close we really are to our number being called. And who really knows how close we are to God's judgment? But one thing we should know, church without a doubt, is what side we're on. And this morning, if you don't know what side you're on, come talk to Spence as he's going to stand up here in just a few minutes as we give the invitation. Do you know where you stand? Have you lost all those senses? Have you lost respect for God? Did you even have any? Are you out of control? Do you not have any restraint in your life right now? There is a last night for every nation and for every person. And in light of eternity, what is the kingdom of Babylon or any other nation compared to the kingdom that is forfeited by men and women without Christ? Our days are indeed numbered. And we need to have a strong sense of urgency in exchanging our own righteousness for the righteousness of Christ through new birth that is only offered through salvation. In church, as we celebrate this Memorial Day, maybe we have a strong sense of remembrance for those that gave so much for us to be able to gather here this morning. Let's not get caught up and all the festivities that we like to have or the, the simple fact that some of us may get a three-day weekend and a break from our jobs. Let us not remember what God has done for us, for this church, for this community. Let's not lose our senses about us. Let us not lose our sense of reality and let our pride blind us to what is really going on around us in society. And may we have a strong sense of restraint when it comes to the temptations that are put in front of us every day because we all know they're there, as I spoke of earlier. And that we turn to Christ for the strength that is needed. And may we always have the strongest sense of respect for the living God, for the position He has placed us in to do His will on earth. And let us be reminded in the words of Daniel in the 4th chapter, 32nd verse, the Most High still rules over the affairs of men. And may we humble ourselves before Him this morning. If you would bow your heads with me, please. Heavenly Father, I thank You so much for, for this place. Father, this place that you've set aside for the truth to be spoken. Father, for, for us to be a part of a family that wishes to do your will, that wants to be your servants. Father, I know that there's so many things that get in our way each and every day from the moment we rise till the moment we go to bed that, that hinders our relationship with you, that hinders us from hearing your call on our life the things that you're asking us to, to go out and do. Father, help us to be able to put those things aside enough that we can spend quality time with you, that we can listen to your voice. Father, I pray that we would be aware of our pride, 
I ask for help with that. And help us to not lose the restraint because of those things that are placed in front of us. Father, help us to always put you where you belong and that is in front of us, guiding us. God, I pray that if somebody in here does not know you this morning, that they've never truly understood what it means to be in relationship with you. Father, that they would take this opportunity this morning and not walk out of this church without talking to you and doing business with you this morning. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to speak to these people this morning. Father, for using me, challenging me. Father, I know I fail you all too often. But I ask that you continue to use me and to use these people to reach out to this community. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.